0: Well, good morning. Is anybody excited to be at church this morning? Come on, man. I'm so glad that you're here. It was uh, back in 2008. I will remember this day, probably forever. I was coming home from school. And if you remember, 2008 was not necessarily a great time for the economy. And I remember coming home and I could just feel like the tension and the stress uh, that my parents were feeling. You see, growing up, my family owned a small business, a manufacturing business, and uh, just with the way the economy was going, everything was going, it was just like, I could feel some of the stress, and uh, they never really talked about it, but you could feel it uh, in the house, and things began to get a little bit tighter, and it ended up getting to the point where my dad had to let go one of his longtime friends, um, just because the economy was crashing at the time, and they weren't able to keep him on uh, their staff team. I still remember that to this day of just the different feelings that I felt knowing that things were changing in the financial climate of our house, even as a 15-year-old. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments growing up. Like maybe a negative experience or, or maybe uh, things for you growing up, you didn't have too much. Maybe you had a lot. Maybe you had a little. Uh, but all of us have different environments when it comes to our upbringing along with money. This situation affected me so deeply that as a 15-year-old, I determined that I never wanted to be put in a poor financial situation. So I started learning as much as I possibly could about finances as a 15-year-old. I mean, I was listening to every Dave Ramsey podcast there was. Like, it got to the point that as a 15-year-old, if you asked me how I was doing, I would answer better than I deserve, okay? Some of you, you don't get that joke because you have no idea who Dave Ramsey is, but it's okay. Like, I just, I grew up and I was naturally a saver. Come on, we got any savers in the place? Come on, we got a couple. I can't see all of you, so let's throw the house lights up a little bit so I can start seeing some people here. Perfect. There we go. Who are my savers? Come on. Who are my spenders? Spenders always woo, I'm telling you, man. Like, it just happens. It is what it is. I get it. Um, but as a kid, you know, all my birthday money, Christmas money, everything, it would go into my underwear drawer. Anybody else? Like your underwear drawer is where you put your money as like a 13, 14-year-old? That was me, okay? Like as a 12-year-old, I mean, all my underwear drawer had was like Armani underwear and Benjamin Franklin's, okay? Okay, that was a lie. It was more like tidy whiteys and George Washington dollar bills. Um, That analogy was way better in my head. That's just, this is getting weird. So let's just go, let's just keep going. But I remember feeling so rich as a kid when I had $100. Like I was, felt great about my life and that money kept building up. I eventually got up to $235 and like 50 cents. But then a bad thing happened. Michigan lost to Ohio State. And I was 13 years old and I had anger issues. And I went up to my room and I broke the window in my room after I kicked it after Michigan lost to Ohio State. And all of my money had to go to my dad so he could fix that window. And that's still unfortunate, I still think about that. Um, Although I have not had to watch Michigan lose to Ohio State over the last couple of years, I'm just saying, um, which has been great. Whether we steal signs or not, we're not gonna have a problem this year either. So, um, but man, I just, I still remember that day back in 2008. And it launched me into learning more about finances. And I say this all the time, if I was not a pastor, I would be in personal finance. And today we're going to be talking about money. Some of you, this is your first time at church and you're like, man, we're talking about money and the first time at church. And I just want to tell you, if I'm a little blunt, if I'm a little honest, if I'm a little passionate today, it's because this is one of the areas that I am most excited about and most passionate about as well. We're in this series called You Asked For It, and we asked everybody, like, what do you want to learn about God and what he teaches in certain areas? And this was one of the top five that made the list when we did this survey back in Easter. And if you haven't catched the past services, I would encourage you, you know, go on YouTube. You can check them out there. Um, But when it comes to money, here's what a lot of people will say. The church shouldn't talk about money. And I'm just going to tell you, that's dumb. The reason a lot of people say the church shouldn't talk about money is really what they're saying is the church shouldn't ask me for money. But money is so much bigger than giving is that we need to learn how to steward what God has given us. Why should the church talk about money? Because the chief competitor for your heart is money. Did you know that the only thing Jesus compares himself to other people or other things of what you're going to worship was not Satan? It was money. He said you will either serve God or mammon, which is essentially possessions and money. This topic is so important. And as followers of Jesus, God wants you to be in He wants you to be free, not enslaved in this area of your life. Because in today's society, the biggest cause of stress is finances. And I don't want that for you. Maybe you're feeling that today. Maybe that's why you feel overwhelmed right now. And I just want to tell you, if you are a middle schooler, high schooler, or college student, I know we got some college students up here. This is like the most important talk that you are going to hear. And if I could pass a mic around to every person who's 50 years and older, they would look at you college students and say, if you get this now, it will completely change your life. Every 50-year-old should say amen right there, okay? So now let me give you some statistics. Let's get depressed together. A couple of weeks ago I read a stat that said credit card debt in America just surpassed $1 trillion. 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 57% of Americans could not cover a $1,000 emergency if it came up. One of the top causes of divorce in the United States is money stress and money problems. 80% of Americans are worried about cost of living. And of the top five highest stressors in the United States, three of them are financial. So I just want to tell you, if you're feeling this way, you are not alone. And I believe that God has placed you here today to help provide freedom in this area. And I believe that the church is not only obligated to talk about this, we should be excited to talk about this because I think about the words of Jesus. You see, Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. That in scripture, there are over 2,500 verses having to do with money and possessions. God has a lot to say about it. In fact, here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Does anybody know what the stock price of Apple was uh, on Friday at the day of close? Does anybody got a guess? It was $172.88. How would you know that? The only way you would know that is if you were invested in Apple. Because the only investments in stocks that you check on are the ones that you actually have or the ones that you're researching to buy in the future. You see, where you put your money is where your heart is going to be and that is where you're going to check on things. For some of you, I'd ask the question like, how's your 401k doing? Like what matters to you oftentimes is our money. So the question we have to ask today and the question we're going to answer today is how can we manage money God's way? Because God wants to help you provide freedom in this area. Now, the majority of this content um, is based off the things I learned as a 15, 16 year old um, from Dave Ramsey. Um, But I believe that God wants to help speak to you today. And uh, here's the problem. Most people do not live out biblical principles when it comes to our finances. And when you do not live out biblical principles, you will feel enslaved. And when you feel enslaved, it's going to cause stress. And you make terrible decisions when you're stressed. You make bad choices in your relationships. You make bad choices in your friendships with your job. When you're overwhelmed and you don't know what to do. And here's what I believe. That every person deserves to experience the freedom of managing money God's way. So the title of today's message is Managing Money God's Way. And we're going to start. So you're going to get seven steps to manage money God's way. If you do this, you cannot lose with money. Okay, here's the first step. Get on a budget. I just lost 90% of you. All right. For some of you, this word is a curse word in your house. It's probably started fights in others. But here's what Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter 14. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Guys, there is wisdom in planning. There is wisdom in forward thinking. There's wisdom in documenting your expenses and your income. Like, what have you ever gotten without being intentional? I want to take a moment and I just want to dream for a moment because God can do all things. Imagine the Cardinals win a Super Bowl one day. Just imagine. He's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, okay? We can pray for it. But imagine the Cardinals win a Super Bowl. And afterwards, the the sideline reporter comes up and they start talking to the Cardinals player. And she asked the question, like, how did you end up here? And he looks at the sideline reporter and just says, I don't know. I didn't really like work out. I didn't even really play football growing up. Like, I didn't really do much. I just ended up winning a Super Bowl. There is no way that will ever happen. What do they answer? Here's what they say. I've been preparing for this moment ever since I was six years old. Like I've been preparing for this moment. Like when everybody else would go out on Friday nights, I would be studying film. When everyone else would be eating a bunch of ice cream, I would be eating kale. Like he would just say, I lived differently because of the way I lived. I got here. Zig Ziglar said this. If you aim at nothing... You will hit it every single time. So the question is, what are you aiming at? What are your dreams? What are you looking to do? And in order to get there specifically with your finances, it's going to take a budget and intentionality. Now, some of you may be asking the question, what is a budget? The best definition I've ever heard of a budget comes from John Maxwell. Here's what he said. A budget is people telling their money what to do instead of wondering where it went. Y'all, that quote is money, okay? Pun intended. If you've taken the step, or if you've never taken the step of making a budget, I wanna encourage you to take that step today. So here's what you can do. You can go to everydollar.com. This is through Dave Ramsey's organization. Um, There should be a QR code here, or go to everydollar.com. This will teach you how to budget, and it'll give you the tools that you need to be able to take those steps when it comes to budgets. And here's the reason budgets are good, okay? Oftentimes people don't like budgets, but I wanna encourage you. Budgets are amazing because they give you clarity. So I want to give you an example of how we budget as a church. The way we budget as a church is we have ceilings and ceilings and floors, okay? Ceilings is we will never spend more than this percent on something. Floors are we will never spend less than this, okay? So as a church, um, we will, whenever money comes in and you give to God and you trust God with your tithe here at Purpose Church, we will never give less than 10% to missions. That is a floor. We will never do that. One of our ceilings is we will never pay our staff and our team more than 35% of what's brought in as a church. Some of you, if you know church boards and you know budgets, you should be very excited right now. Because most churches spend 50 to 60% of what's brought in through tithe through staffing. And as a church, we said from the very beginning, the goal of our church is not to hire a bunch of people. It's to hire incredible people who are leaders that understand what our job as pastors is to do. Our jobs as pastors is not to execute ministry. It's to equip the saints for ministry. My job is to help equip you to live out your God given purpose wherever you are. Our church is not about having a huge staff. Our church is about having people who live on mission, not only here on Sunday, but everywhere we go throughout the week. And the reason we can budget that way from the beginning is because we said that is how we are going to hire staff members. People are focused on living and executing ministry out through the people of our church because it's not just about hiring a bunch people. When it comes to your personal budgets, you should have ceilings and floors. So uh, a ceiling would be you never spend more than this floor as you never spend less. So you never give less than 10%. That's what scripture teaches. You never, I would encourage you never save or invest less than 15% of what's brought in and never spend more than 75%. Okay. So we're going to get on a budget. The next thing you're going to do in order to live out that budget is you're going to live on less than you make. Now, I know this one can seem obvious, but it is very easy to overspend. Living below your means is one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself. It is one of the most freeing things that you can do. Here's what it says in Proverbs twenty-one twenty: Fools spend whatever they get. Now, I know we were joking earlier about, you know, who's a saver and a spender. Um, but this is going to be easier for some of you than it is going to be for others. Making a budget is one thing. Sticking to a budget is another thing. So what you need some of you need to do when it, when it comes to living on less than you make. You need to be aware of your temptations with money and you need to address them. Some of you, women particularly, you need to stop going to Target at certain times, okay? I know, I just put you under the bus. Some of you husbands are looking at your wives, but don't worry, I'm, I'm gonna get on the husbands too. Guys, Some of you, you don't need another gun right now, okay? Like, it's okay. Like, you don't need one right now. You can get one later. You don't have to go to Camping World or Bass Pro Shop or any of those other places that I'll never step into because I hate camping and all things, all that stuff. I'm just saying. Okay? So stay away from the areas of your life that you don't need to be stepping foot in those areas right now. And I just want to take a moment. With empathy, say, I understand that cost of living has went up that life is a lot harder than it was a few years ago. That gas is up, inflation is up, rent is up. And for some of you, it could be very easy for me as I'm speaking to you to just think like I'm wielding a bat because you're like, Josh, you don't understand. Like there's not really any more things I can cut. I get that. For some of you, you not only need to learn this principle, but maybe in this season of your life, you don't have a spending problem. It's like you have an income problem. So you gotta start doing some things in this season that you may not want to do. It may be that second job, it may be doing Uber. Uh, I don't know what it looks like for you, but sometimes you're gonna have to sacrifice more now so that you can experience what you want in the future. So others of you, maybe it's a second job. Some of, you, some of us, um, when it comes to our finances, if you're struggling financially today, um, there's a two letter word that needs to become your favorite word. No, okay? Can we just practice together on the count of three and say this? Three, two, one. No. Takeout tonight? No. New car lease? No. $10 coffee every day? No. When it comes to your money and you're not in the best financial situation, I want to remind you, a no now is not a no forever. Come on. A no now will help you say yes later. But if you don't consistently say no for a season, you're not going to be able to say yes to the things that you really want in the future. Come on, we got to say no now so we can say yes later. Man, some of you are walking in today with Ferrari dreams, but you have Ford Fiesta money, okay? Like it is no now, but it doesn't mean that it is a no forever. You can say yes later. So why are we reigning in our spending? You know, we're making more money. What do we do? So we live on, you know, less than we make so that we can do this. We can get out of debt. Okay, and I know you probably knew this is where it's going, especially if you know anything about Dave Ramsey. Like, he is just all against debt. Um, And one of the reasons he says that is because of Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Have you ever felt like a slave to a payment? A slave to your student loans? A slave to your car payment? A slave to a mortgage that is just too big? You know what happens when you're a slave? You can't stop thinking about it. Like every time a bill comes in, you're nervous of what it's going to be and it provides stress and you're overwhelmed and you're scared to even open the mail. So at this point in your life, when you have debt, if you don't have the money for it, you don't get it. You don't put it on a credit card that literally just wants to take advantage of you and charge you 25% interest. It's like, I can't do that. You're not going to be able to do all the things that God wants you to do in the future. Now, could you imagine, just dream for a moment. Could you imagine a life with no payments? Come on, a no car payment? Man, no student loan payments? Could you imagine a a house that is paid off? Like how much better would you sleep at night if that was the reality of your life? So we're going to get on a budget. We're going to live below our means. And uh, then we're going to go ahead and take that next step, get out of debt. Then uh, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to save up an emergency fund. 57% of Americans can't cover a $1,000 emergency. Now, I never want your air conditioning to go out in Phoenix because that's terrible. But could you imagine your air conditioning goes out and you have the ability to pay for it right then? And yeah, it stinks. It's not exactly what you want to do, but it's something that you can pay for and you don't have to worry about it. I mean, we all need a rainy day fund. Every one of us. Some of you are like, Josh, you're not being positive. Like, I'm positive that you're going to need a rainy day fund because at some point in your life, something is going to happen. Man, you need that rainy day fund, even here in Phoenix, okay? Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. We read verse uh, 20b. Now 20a says this. Um, if fools spend whatever they get, what do wise people do? The wise store up choice food and olive oil. Okay, so he's speaking at a different time. Essentially for us, the wise store up money. Like wise people don't spend everything, they save. So, so that if you lose your job or something happens, that you have the ability to say, you know what, in this season of life, I'm going to be Okay. Like I have one month's income, I have three months income, I have six months income and I'm going to be okay with what's happening right now, even though it's hard. Margin creates freedom. And you see, when you get to this step, this is when it gets really, really fun. Okay? So we're going to save for an emergency. Then after that, here's what we're going to do. We are going to begin building wealth. Don't you want to be wealthy? Come on, can we just be honest today? I know sometimes that gets weird in church um, because when people say that, like this prosperity theology comes and it's like, if I give and God's gonna make me a billionaire and like people will walk around and think they're you know, throwing some badge of honor because here's the deal. God doesn't love you any more or less if you're rich, but God also doesn't love you any more or less if you're poor, okay? So if you're gonna pick one, I personally would rather pick being rich, right? Like I would rather be wealthy. Wealth is not a bad thing. Now, some of you are saying, isn't wealth bad? Like, you got this voice, and I don't know why I'm going to use this voice, but you're like, doesn't God say, you know, money is, you know, the root of all evil? It's like, no. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. You never should put money above God, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have money. Like, you see throughout Scripture, God blesses people in incredible ways. Why? so that they can be a blessing to others. It is literally my prayer. When I see generous people in, my, in our church, when, when people are generous and, and they live an open-handed, generous life, do you know what I pray? I say, God, pour so much blessing into their life. Like they are the type of people that I want to be billionaires, millionaires. Like I want them to be so rich because they use their money for good. Like, I want us to be a group in a group of people in church that says, yeah, like money magnifies who you already are. If you're not generous when you're poor, you're not going to be generous if you're rich. So who are you today is going to dictate who you're going to be tomorrow. I mean, just take a moment to dream for a moment. Like, what if your investments that you have covered, um, your investments for the year covered a month of your salary? Like what if your investments next year covered six months of your salary? Like what if your investments could cover a year of your salary? Like just imagine the incredible freedom you would feel in that. Like money is not going to make you happy, but money will make your life a lot easier. It's true. Proverbs 13, 11 says, wealth from get rich squ- schemes quickly disappears. This is the key. But wealth from hard work grows over time. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, um, I'm giving you um, a little bit of homework, okay? Um, On your phones, you need to download a compound interest calculator, okay? Einstein said that compound interest is one of the eighth wonders of the world, okay? So if you're young, you need to look up the Ben and Arthur graph, okay? I'm not gonna go through it today, but your homework this morning is after this service, you need to look up the Ben and Arthur graph and understand what it has the ability to do when it comes to investing. But it's not just important for people who are younger. This is important for all of us because this grows over time. In 2014, there was a man named Ronald Reed. He passed away. And in his will, when they kind of delivered his will, all of his family and all of the people who knew him were completely shocked he ended up donating $6 million to his local library and his local hospital. And he gave $2 million to his kids. And they were looking around and they're like, where in the world did this dude get this money? Like, they're, where did dad get this money? Where did Ronald get this money? Because for 25 years, he was a gas station attendant and a part-time janitor at JCPenney. But what did he do? He was frugal and he invested and it grew over time where he left an incredible legacy for his community and a legacy for his kids and his grandkids. Why are we investing? It's so that we can live out this next step so that you can change your family tree. Man, some of you, this talk, this message is hard for you because your parents never taught you anything about money. Like this talk is is important for you because you don't know anything about handling money. But one thing I know is that when you grow up in a family who doesn't teach you about money, when you grow up in a family where it's a constant struggle, the thought that you will inevitably have is that I don't want this for my kids. Man, I don't want this for my grandkids. I don't want them to have to worry about the lights being shut off. Like I wanna be able to provide for them. Like I think about my kids and I think about my grandkids. If you need motivation, think about your kids. If you need motivation, think about your grandkids. If you're not married today, think about your future kids. If you're not married today, think about your future spouse and the incredible gift you could give them that when you get married, they marry a person who is financially stable. Like what a gift to give the future person that you love so much. Proverbs 13, says this, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. Now I don't want you to foresee, like, if you don't leave money to your kids or your grandkids, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. When you think about your kids and your grandkids, and, and I personally do, like, I want to pay for my kids' college. Like, I would love to be able to help them with a down payment. I mean, I know that, that privilege is something that's talked about a lot in society, and I look at my kids, and I'm like, I want my kids to be born on third base. I really do. Like, I want them to be financially stable. Now, I'm going to give a caveat there. It doesn't mean that they don't know how to handle money because any money that I give my kids and my grandkids, it is not no strings attached. It is fully string attached, okay? You don't work, kids, you ain't get no money, okay? Like, you're, you're not handling it well. Like, I'm not going to give them something that they can't handle, but I do want to put them in a position where they can do what God wants, to, God wants them to do in the future because I have the ability to help them take that step. And it starts with managing money well. When you do this, this goes to the last one, and this is the most fun one. Then you can be outrageously generous. Now, I saved this one for last, although uh, scripture and um, biblically, this is really the first one we do. And I think most churches um, do a poor job of teaching about giving. Here's what they say. They say, give to the church. Thank you for being generous. You're making a difference. The problem is most Christians are not generous when it comes to the biblical standard. The biblical standard of generosity is giving over and above a tithe. In fact, um, tithing is not really giving. Like tithing is not really generous. Tithing is obedience. Tithing is not stealing because it was never yours in the first place. You see, here's the deal. If you allowed me to use your car, okay, you went on a trip and when you came back, I would bring you your car back. I didn't give you your car back because it was never mine to give in the first place. I brought it back to you. You see, when we receive payment through work, an in income, we are bringing that back to God. The first 10% is not yours. It's God's. So any type of increase, whether it's um, working a job or um, maybe you realize a gain in an investment. Last year, uh, my wife and I, we sold our house. And uh, we bought our house in 2016. We sold it in 2022. We took the difference we sold it, or we bought it for, and the difference we sold it for, God blessed us. We sold it for more, and we tithe on the difference because it was increase. It wasn't ours, it was God's. So when it comes to generosity, we have to understand what it actually is. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the star, the storehouse. The storehouse represents your place of worship. And according to scripture, the first 10% of what's brought in, that is God's. The next 90% is still God's, but he's given it to you to steward and to manage. That doesn't mean that you manage it poorly, but it means that God has given you that to be able to live out what he has for you and to ultimately be generous with. So when you look at the biblical baseline, it's, it's we, we bring back 10%, we save and invest, and then we live off the rest. And I believe that God wants us to be generous as well. I'm gonna tell you this, and I have the spiritual gift of giving. So I would just tell you, this is really easy for me. Like there's other things I preach on every single week and I'm like, that's really a challenge. This one's not hard for me because this is how God has wired me. For some of you, if you're like, this is not easy for you, that is okay. That's where God wants to help you take a next step. But here's the deal. And here's what I know is that the most fun thing you can do with money is give it away. Like the most fun you will ever have with money is you sit down with someone and you get coffee and they're struggling with their rent. and You just say, Hey, what's your Venmo? Okay, great. Here you go. That's what you need. You got car troubles. I would love to be able to help with that. You need groceries. I would love to be able to do that. Our, our family goes to Waffle House every Christmas Eve. It's a weird tradition, but we do it. And uh, you know, who's working at at Waffle House on Christmas Eve? People who desperately need money. And the most fun that I have all year is when we get to sit down, we go to Waffle House, and we get to leave a large tip. It's the most fun thing. In fact, if you have kids and you want to teach them generosity, I want you to do this. On a holiday, stop at a Waffle House, park, leave your kids in the car with an adult if they need an adult, but make sure your kids can see in the restaurant. Sit at the register, order a coffee, drink a little bit of the coffee, get the bill and leave a $100, a $200, a $500 tip, whatever you can do and walk out of the room, go into your car and make sure your kids watch the reaction of the waitress who is probably a single mom who desperately needs that money. It is so powerful and your kids will never forget it. See, God has the ability to bless you and he wants to bless you. I was talking to my mentor, Um, he's just very wise financial, and he says, most people make earnings goals, Josh. He says, be different, make giving goals. Like, what does it look like to be a a steward of money where, where you just have the ability to give and to be generous and live that type of life? Some of you, you're always going to have financial problems because you are receiving the money that you've worked for and you've worked for it, but you're not trusting God with what's first. You see, when we trust God with what's first, what we're doing is we're placing God at the top and we're saying, God, you're responsible for helping provide for me. Like you are, you are the person who's going to be able to bless me and God will bless you far more with 90% and he can take you way further with 90% than you could ever take yourself with 100%. The interesting part is you will never experience this until you actually do it. And I say this with conviction because just as you know, as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I've been doing this for 14 years. At this stage of my life, tithing is not difficult because I've been doing it for so long. And I remember tithing as a 17-year-old. I remember tithing as a 21-year-old when Jess was going to school and we were making $27,000 a year. And I was like, what are we going to do? God will bless and he will provide I mean, come on, guys. We serve a God who has ability to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, man. Like he created the stars and the universe. You don't think he can provide for you? He can do it. He is able. He can do it. So place your trust in him and manage and steward what he's given you to steward. Second Corinthians 9 7 says this for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. Man, because when you give, what do you do? You are representing the heart of God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So what's our call to action? Some of you, it's time to, to make a budget. Some of you, it's time to reel in that spending. Maybe it's time to, to get a second job. Others of you, maybe it's time to, to take your first step in tithing. And I would encourage you, if you read that Malachi verse, the only area that God encourages you to test him in is through tithing. So from now until the end of the year, the first thing you do when you have an increase, tithe, and see what God will do. I promise he will provide for you. Some of you, maybe you need more help. I'd encourage you, we, we don't currently have the bandwidth to be able to do a nine-week Financial Peace University class yet. We're gonna try to get one launched in January. Um, but if you purchase Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey and read that book, that will be super helpful. There are other Financial Peace Universities at churches in the Valley that you can get plugged into. If you wanna do it online, there are over 130 virtual Financial Peace Universities that you can do on Zoom. Or if you just have personal questions, email us at hello at purposearizona.com. And also know that as your church family, we want to do everything we can for you. We've already been able to give money towards rent and lights and groceries. If you're struggling today, there is zero shame. We believe that as a church, we are called to take care of our own. That is why the first thing we do when when money is brought in is we, de- we designate 10% for the people of our church and for missions. So if you're struggling, there is zero shame to send an email to hello at Purpose Arizona right after this service. I want you to know that. Like we care for you, we love you, we're for you. We wanna be able to help you and we wanna help you live the life that God wants for you. And at the heart of this, is that Jesus can change everything. Yeah, we talk about money and it's important, but ultimately the reason Jesus wants you to follow him is because he knows what's best for you. And we know that through the power of the cross, that Jesus was laid on a cross so that we could be made right with God this morning. And yes, I want you to handle money and finance as well, but the most important decision you're ever going to make is not your budget. It is not your tithing. The most important decision you're ever going to make is placing your faith and your trust in Jesus. Like it is through eternity. That is an eternal decision. And if you've never made that decision, I would encourage you to give your life to Christ today. So right now what we're going to do is um, we're going to take a moment and we're going to sing together and we're going to sing a song called The Blessing. And I think this song just encapsulates what we want to see as a church that we are asking for the blessing of God. But I want to give a caveat. Oftentimes we can pray for blessing, but I'm telling you, God will not bless what doesn't honor him. So whenever you ask for blessing, I want to encourage you to extend your prayer of blessing. Say, God, make me someone who is worthy of your blessing. Now, when I say that, your faith in Christ is what makes you saved. It is not your performance, but blessing follows obedience after you're saved. You see the laws of reaping and sowing in obedience and following what God has for you in your life. So when we sing this song, I just want you to take a moment to just pray and say, God, bless me and help me continue to be a person who follows you. If you need specific prayer this morning, you can come to the front. Maybe you have a financial situation that's hard. We'd love to pray for you. And I wanna take a moment to pray for all of you now. So would you go ahead and stand to your feet? As a sign of surrender, if you're comfortable this morning and you want to be blessed in this area of your life, I would just encourage you to just put your hands out in front of you to say, God, I'm receiving what you have for me today. I'm receiving what you want to do in my life today. And I want to take a moment to pray for you this morning. God, we thank you for who you are today. God, we receive what you want us to receive. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who makes us right with you. God, we want to know you in a deeper way today. And God, I just pray for blessing over every person in our church. And people who are struggling with lights and groceries and finances, Lord, I pray that you provide the job that you need to provide today, Lord. God, we pray for a windfall of blessing. We pray for peace of provision of what they're facing today. Lord, we acknowledge that you are the provider, that you have created everything. That God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. In Psalm 24, it says, everything is the Lord's. So God, don't let us uh, take in the lies of the enemy this morning that says you're not going to provide, that you are not worthy of being trusted, that you are holding something out on us. Lord, we take you at your word this morning. You say that if the lilies are taken care of, we are going to be taken care of because how much more do you love us? So God, we receive it this morning and we thank you for the opportunity to be able to serve you and to be able to follow you. We pray this in the Jesus name, amen. Hey, what's up everyone? My name is Jess. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We're so glad to have you. And hey, if you made a first time decision to follow Jesus today, we are so excited for you. It is the best decision that you will ever make. I wanna encourage you to go to our website, PurposeArizona.com slash connect card, and you'll see a connect card on the website, go ahead and fill that out. It gives us a little bit of information about you and helps us come alongside you and support you as you start this journey. Also, if you just wanna connect with our church or if you wanna invest financially in what God is doing here in the Valley, all of the information is on the website, PurposeArizona.com. And lastly, we meet in person every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Desert Edge High School, and we'd love for you to join us. Be sure to follow us on social media for any other updates. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.